This morning I'm reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting with verse 17. As he, meaning Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. And this is the word of God for all of us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Throughout my uh, 43 years of active ministry and 11 since then, uh, but mostly during my active ministry, wherever I was pastoring, I would uh, try to be very involved in the community. Uh, I would get involved in one of the civic groups, one of the service organizations. I was in Nortonville, I was in Rotary, in Henderson, I was in the Lions Club. In Owensboro, I was in the Civitan Club. And then when I was in Central City, I was back in the Rotary Club. And so that's kind of the, the tour that I went. And I found out in these organizations that membership has its price. It has its expectations and pretty high standards are set. There are dues that are intended and expected to be paid every month, and usually that came with the price of a meal, so you paid uh, and you got billed whether you were there or not, or ate or not, you had to pay up, and somebody made sure you did. There was an attendance expectation. If you didn't show up, somebody was checking on you. There was an expectation that you learn the motto, you learn the creed, like we said the Apostles' Creed 
while ago, our statement of faith. And there were service requirements to sign up. So maybe some of you signed up at the Festival of the Horse last weekend and worked for your organization in a booth. I've done that many times. Flip burgers. I don't think I ever did cotton candy, come think of it, but flipped a lot of burgers for sure and uh, did a lot of work. So I was quite impressed with all of these organizations and what they expected of me and the standards that were set and uh, that I was uh, certainly, if I was going to be a member, I needed to be involved. Well, and then there is the church, the church. Yes, there is no entry fee <laughs> to get into the church of Jesus Christ or a local church, but there are expectations and there is one very important question. Will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and uphold it by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Those were expectations. Those are expectations. Wherever we took that membership vow, whether it was here or somewhere else, we answered that question in order to become a member. So there are expectations of attendance and giving and serving and volunteering. We heard about the care ministry this morning. Lots of options, <laughs> right Anna? Surely there's one of those we can do. Uh, so many needs and so much help is needed. But unfortunately, in my ministry, I have witnessed many persons, not to be judgmental, but an observation that many persons take that vow and then eventually kind of drift away. Maybe miss a Sunday or two and then maybe out for a month or maybe away for six months. And gosh, COVID has <laughs> crashed in on us and we know how that's pulled us away, and now we're trying to pull back together. Yes, it's, it just happens. It just happens. And the church suffers from all of that. I, uh, back when I was in active ministry, my last appointment, I was the conference director of New Church and Congregational Development, and uh, helped with church planters and our conference started congregations, uh, helped with revitalization, some self-study for congregations that wanted to know how to grow their ministries. And I particularly was into uh, statistics about uh, church activity and church involvement across our state. And what I found then is that a lot of our churches are in decline and still are. And it's not just the United Methodist Church, but so many churches are in decline. And I found out and still see that even the Baptists have not had as many baptisms and professions as faith as they once had. Now, folks, it's getting serious when the Baptists have trouble with baptisms and professions of faith. 
So it's not just this church's problem or the United Methodist problem. It's a problem of Christendom. And certainly it needs to be addressed. Jesus expects and demands so much of us. And we must continue to remember that. When Jesus called his disciples, Peter, drop those nets. Leave the fishing behind you and come fish for people, for men, with me. Pretty drastic expectation. There are many, many passages that speak about how our Lord Jesus expects loyalty, absolute loyalty and commitment to him. There are passages that talk about where Jesus says, lose your life for me. That's kind of foreign in our world about me, me, me. Lose me. Join Jesus. There are passages about you must love me more than you love your family. Now, friends, that doesn't mean not to love your family and not to love your family dearly. But I'm firmly convinced when we put Jesus at the top of our list, our loyalty is to Jesus we will love everybody more. We will love our families more. We're not going to neglect them if we love Jesus because Jesus directs us to be responsible and committed in all that we do. That's what he, that's what he asks of us. Sometimes our loyalties get divided. And different things compete with our loyalty to Christ and the church. There are a couple of verses that uh, David, King David, wrote in Psalm 86, I think, that are particularly relevant here. And he said, Teach me your way, O God, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Give me an undivided heart. May I glorify you with my whole heart. David knew that God wanted him to put his all into being the best king of Israel that he could be. And so with us, we still are expected to love God with our whole heart, to serve God with our whole heart, to keep our church vow with our whole heart. Well, let's look at this fellow in Mark chapter 10 that I read about and his devotion and what Jesus said to him. And and this man came running up to Jesus and bowed down before him and he said, good teacher, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, uh, Jesus says, you know, I'm not, you call me good, no one's good but God, so drop the flattery, brother, you know, just ask your question. But uh, maybe that tells us a little bit about his motive, this man's motive. He said, what must I do? And so Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. You know, don't do this, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, honor your father and mother. And he said, oh, I've done all that. (laughs) Trust me, Jesus, 
I've been so good all my life, I've not done any of those bad things. Heaven knows what his heart was like. And then he said, so that I may inherit eternal life. This man had a lot of means, had a lot of wealth, evidently. And so when Jesus said to him, okay, so you checked all those things off that you haven't done and that you have done. Just one thing, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. He really was testing the guy, wasn't he? Go sell everything, and he had a lot, and give it away and come follow me. And it says, the scripture says, he was shocked and went away grieving. For he had many, many possessions. Now, this fellow was obviously trying to do a lot of things to get into eternal life. And folks, I think the scripture is telling us we can toe the line, but our hearts still not be fully in touch with God. We might be able to check off the list. I haven't done that, that, and that. I remember as a young adult, I thought, gosh, I've been in church since I was a baby. I'm so good. I mean, I, I felt that. And then, then I fell on my face big time and needed the love and grace of Christ and, and the church. So it's, it's not just about what we do, even though doing is an important part of our lives, but who we are and where our heart is, and are we truly committed, wholly committed, to Jesus Christ and his ministry? Well, back to this fellow. His enthusiasm was short-lived. He was so excited. There's Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get an in with him and get an answer to my question. And then he went away, went away pretty disappointed. We know Sometimes we start out in a venture, maybe when we become a part of the church, and we are full of enthusiasm. And then that interest has a way of, of waning and dissipating unless we keep those fires burning through worship and prayer and service and study and involvement. It's, uh, it's important for us to think about what Christ expects of us. Yes, he expects a lot. And we might say, well, oh, I'm not like that rich fellow. I'm not rich. None of us are rich. May have a few more things than some others. But, but friends, in comparison to a vast majority of the world and a whole lot of people in our own country, we are pretty wealthy in their eyes. We have many possessions. We love our toys. Even adults love our toys. And we love our involvements of this and that. And we know how many things compete for the, our love of Jesus and with our love of Jesus. And we have to make some very critical, critical decisions about that. Well, I like this 21st verse when Jesus asking these things and knew there's a problem here it says he looked at him loved him and he loved him 
Even though this fellow was coming up short, even though this fellow wasn't ready to make that commitment, he still loved him as he loves all of us. And our efforts may come up short and our hearts might be divided and our hearts may not and souls may not be fully committed to him, but he still loves us like he loved this fellow. And then he goes on to say, it's hard for those who have wealth. Other translations say, for those who trust in riches, not just have riches, but we put our trust in things rather than trust in Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. We have to think about this as well. And so the disciples, he talks about this camel can go through an eye of a needle. Jesus exaggerates there grossly, of course, to get his point across. And so the disciples say, well, who could be saved then? None of us can get through the eye of a needle. And that's the point. On our own, we can't. Only by the love and grace of Jesus. And he will squeeze us through that needle out to the other side when we put our faith and trust in him. So about that eye of the needle, that's a challenge, always has been. This poor fellow, what he needed to know is that if he just laid it all at Jesus' feet, I doubt that Jesus would say, oh, go, be, go out and be poor. He probably would have let him take some of his money with him. But Jesus wanted to see where his heart really was. And he wants to know that from us as well the scripture says the last verse for mortals it is impossible but not for God for God all things are possible yeah getting through the eye of the needle <laughs> only through the love and grace of Jesus Christ is that possible it's an awesome thing to think about and so we are called to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me and help me love you, Jesus, with my whole heart. Paul led us in singing, here am I, all of me, not part of me. <laughs> Take my life, it's all for thee, that chorus said. It's a challenge to give our all to him. It is a demand, an expectation that we yield ourselves fully to him. It seems impossible, doesn't it? And it's only, that's what Jesus wants us to see in this passage. Only through the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus will be able to make it to eternal life. But we can get through the eye of the needle with him, with him leading the way. Yes, much demanded, much expected. Let's give ourselves to Jesus. Give me Jesus, Christina sang. Uh, a, a beautiful spiritual. Some of those folks that sang that didn't have much at all, but... They had Jesus, and he saw them through to the end.
Let us pray. Holy God, these uh, scriptures like the one we're sharing about today are challenging. But clearly we see Jesus setting before his disciples that he expects us to be his followers with an undivided loyalty, with a heart for service, a love for him and his church, and giving ourselves to the ministry of the kingdom. Lord, help us realize, yes, you want us to do a lot of good things, but it starts with and it flows out of our love and devotion to you. May we surrender all that we are to you in your mercy. In Christ's name, amen.